encourage you to get those out. And um, if I say something that is not in the notes, feel free to flip that piece of paper over and write it on the back. If you uh, hear me say something that um, you think is significant, that would be cool. I mean, if I said something significant. And so you might want to write that on the back. The reason I say that is because I noticed last night at the bridge that um, there were some things I really should have put in your notes uh, to, to fill in or jot down that I, I didn't put in there. And I'll mention what those things are. Last week, we started talking about how to reach our maximum potential as a church. How do we here at Whitley become a church to the max, a maximum church? I believe this is one of the most important sermon series we've ever gone through here at the church. And uh, I've been here for about 18 and a half years, so that's really saying something. We open the series with this question. As a matter of fact, what I'd like to do today is open this uh, message with a series of questions this morning. Because I think as a church, we need to always be asking ourselves questions. And those questions need to be based on what the Word of God says. So the first question is the one we talked about last week where we said, what are the qualities God is looking for in a church that would allow him to use that church to its maximum capacity? What's he looking for? I mean, I think, I think God's in heaven kind of looking down here in Goldsboro, Princeton, Wayne County, Johnston County. And, uh, you know, we're on the, some of y'all don't know this, but, but we're on the, Johnston County, Wayne County line. And um, we have seriously thought about naming this church the John Wayne Church. <clears throat> and doing some ads where I go, Welcome to Whitley, neighbor. <laughs> or, or, see, it wouldn't be Whitley, it would be what? The John Wayne Church. Whatever. Anyway, God looks down. <laughs> I'm sorry, sometimes I drift off. Um, God looks down on, on Johnston County, Wayne County. God looks down all over the world and he goes, I am looking for churches I can use. I'm looking for people and churches corporately that I can do great things through. And those churches have to have certain qualities. They have to have certain distinctives. And if they have those distinctives, I will do incredible, amazing things through that church, through those churches. Let's look at some other questions. What would we like to see God do through us right here at Whitley Church? You know, I can't answer for another church. I love other churches, and, and, and we appreciate other churches, and we pray for other churches, and and uh, we are more than ever before in our history having churches come to us and say, you know, how do you guys do that? And how do you do that? And, and uh, can you help us do this? And, and we're very honored by that. But the church that, that I'm responsible for is this church right here. And we want other churches to succeed and we'll do everything we can to help them succeed. But they have to make their own decisions about what distinctives, what qualities that they want to have as a church, and so do we. So we have to ask ourselves, who would we like to see God reach through us? What would we like to see God do through us? It's my prayer and hope that you have a vision for yourself as an individual believer and how God would use you, but, but that you would also have a vision for this church. I hope if people ask you... Um, 
you know, what, what's Whitley Church all about, that you can answer that, that you can say what we're all about, and you can um, articulate that. We have a vision statement, we have a mission statement, and, and we hope you'll learn those and, and even put them in your own words so that when people go, well, you know, I've got like uh, 30 seconds or a minute and 30 seconds or whatever, tell me about your church. What would you say in that time? What would you say our distinctives are? What would you say we place priority on? Very important question, very important. Here's another one. What do you think God would do through us here at Whitley Church if we didn't place any limitations on him? What do you think he'd do here at our church? If we allowed God to do anything he wanted to, what would God do in and through us as a church? Here's one. What do we need to do as a congregation to get ourselves in a position where God will look down and use us and say, that's the church I can use right there? What changes? How many of you know change is not always easy? But... It, it needs to always be there, and we need to always be looking at, can we do that better? Can we do that more effectively? What changes do we need to make to become usable? We said last week that the world and even the church community around us would measure success and our potential success in the future based on things different than what Jesus, what the Word of God uses to determine what success is. Usually, we said last week, usually, even in the church world, not only in the church world, but outside the church, it's things you can count. How many of y'all got coming? How much is coming in the, in the offerings? How many acres y'all got out there? These are the questions I get. Stuff you can what? Count. Stuff you can count. But Jesus made it very clear that the qualities the Father is looking for have nothing to do with counting things. As a matter of fact, God said, if you want to make it really, really simple, and I love really, really simple, I love it, that God's looking for two things. Now, he's looking for many things, but he's looking for two things above all other things. And the first one of those is the love that that church has for each other. This morning, God looks down on us, and he is not impressed by uh, technology, he is not, not impressed by our building, he is not impressed by our land, he is not impressed by anything except how much we love each other. He's looking down into Whitley Church right now and going, how, do those, how much do they really love each other? Is it real? Is their love for each other real? And then he looks at how that is demonstrated, how we demonstrate our love. Let's look at what the Bible says in John 13, 34 and 35. This is what we looked at last week. Let's look at it again today. Jesus said, very powerful language here, a new command. If Jesus used the word new back then, I mean, you got to listen up. New. He's going to say something new. Now, I told you last week, I'll reiterate that too, that if you stood up today and said, I've got something new, we'd go, we don't want to hear it. <laughs> Because God hadn't given us anything new to add to the Word of God. But if Jesus says something's new, we want to listen up. A new, and then he put it in the form of a command because he was talking to the Jewish audience and he knew they loved the law. 
He knew that the law ruled supreme with these Orthodox Jews. And so he said, okay, I'll put it in a language they understand. A new command, a new law I give you. So boy, they were listening up. A new command I give you, love one another as I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this, all men will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. So God looks down at the bridge, and God looks down at Whitley Church, and God looks at every church, and the quality God looks for above all other qualities, and the number one criteria God says is, is important for greatness as a church, the characteristic that he's looking for that makes us most usable in his pers- from his perspective, listen to this, the distinctive about us that would excite God, think about that. Has God ever excited you? Has God ever done anything in your life and got you excited? Listen, listen, we can excite him. We can get God excited. I mean, God is a what? He's a daddy. He's a father. There is nothing in the world that excites me more than my kids doing what I said. Isn't that exciting? When they just do what you said and you go, man, that is, I'm excited. Well, God gets excited when we do what he says. And God looks down and he is excited more than anything else. And when it comes to him showing up here on a Sunday morning or showing up at an outreach event, and we've got an awesome outreach event coming up this weekend, and I encourage you to pray for Pastor Jimmy, our outreach pastor, as he takes almost 100 people into Fountain Prison in Rocky Mount, women's prison, and does a crusade there. And um, it's just awesome because the audience is pretty captive. And... uh, they come. They love it, man. They love it. We, <laughs> we develop real friendships and connections and relationships there. We've even had women who we went there and ministered to who when they got out, they, they came here. And uh, we just think that's a beautiful thing. We don't care whether they come here or not. If they do, we love it. But just so they go to church and just so they put their past behind them and move on. When God looks down and he sees us, he sees us usable. When he looks down at an outreach event and he says, I'm going to show up at that outreach event or or I'm going to show up at that Easter drama, here's what makes him show up. When he looks down, it isn't that he's so impressed with our drama or he's so impressed with with the fact that we've got 100 people going to do a prison crusade. What impresses him is how we all love each other. What impresses God, listen, listen, is our willingness, our courage, our desire, and our determination to love each other. i got to tell you something. I've seen some churches do some really incredible things, but they didn't really love each other that much. And so God wasn't able to really use their gifts and their talents. See, we think if we're just really super talented, if we're just really super gifted, we go, oh, we just got awesome music, and we just got awesome drama, and we just got an awesome pastor. And we just got, it, God didn't, look, God looks down, and you may be real low on the talent thing, 
but you just got a love for each other that comes from your love for him and his love for you. And God looks down and that's what excites God. Y'all with me today? When we love each other. Now let's talk about why that's number one. Why is that so important? I believe it's so important for two reasons. And I didn't put this in your notes. This is one of the things I didn't put in your notes I should have. But I think it's two reasons. First of all, I think God wants to bring people here for life change. See, God, God, we got to find out what's really important to him. And what's really important to God and what really excites God is people having their life changed. As a matter of fact, you've heard me say it many, many times. One of the measures of a healthy church is our lives being changed. Are there a, is there a constant flow of testimonies from that body of what God is doing in my life and how I'm becoming a better Christian, how I'm becoming a more compassionate Christian, how I'm becoming more intimate with God in my prayer time and, and, and things that used to really bug me and freak me out. I've come to a place where I'm trusting God in those areas now and that's not happening and, and God's changing my life and he's making me more like him and he's causing me to see stuff the way he sees stuff and, and I'm sleeping better at night because I'm not worried about stuff because I put it in. Y'all with me? So we got to have testimonies like that coming from the church. Changed lives. Now listen, listen, listen. God knows that life change happens best in a church that is filled with an environment of love. See, we, we, people's lives aren't going to be changed. It doesn't matter how awesome we are in all other areas as a church. If we don't love each other... If we don't really, genuinely, sincerely love each other, then, then when, when people come in from the outside, their life is not going to be changed. See, we think that it's going to be because of how cool we are and how awesome different things in our church is. And that isn't the thing, guys. Hey, listen, what changes them is when they see you loving each other. Even if a person can't sing that great, or, you know, the drama's not so perfect, people really don't care when they see us really loving each other. That's where life change happens, and God knows that. Here, let me put it this way. God is looking for churches that he can trust with non-believers. God is looking down this morning, and he's examining us right now. And he's looking at us, and he's going, here's what God's going. God's going, I wonder if they love each other enough. You know, I don't think God wonders about anything. So, so let me change that. He pretty much knows everything. <laughs> so God looks down and goes, I want to see if they love each other enough. Because I've got some unbelievers I've been working with, and, and I want to put them somewhere. I want to connect them to a church, I can trust that church with those non-believers. And the only way I can trust a church with unbelievers is if that church loves each other. And then he says, and not only do I have some unbelievers who don't know me yet, but I want to get them in a position where they can really understand the gospel and, and where they can really be nurtured once they do make that decision. I've also got some new Christians 
that accepted me outside of a church situation. Did y'all know that's possible? Did y'all know it's possible for a person to find Christ not in church? As a matter of fact, that might be easier. So he goes, I've got some people who have just come to me, and I want to get them in a church I can trust who's going to nurture them and love them. Because see, because see, that non-believer or that new believer is like a little baby, and they're kind of shaky. You know how little babies are when they're walking around? They're just kind of shaky. I mean, really, if you go in the nursery, it looks like a bunch of little drunks in there. <laughs> Some of them are falling out. And uh, <clears throat> so, so that's how a baby Christian is. So you put, a, you put a fragile person, hey, listen, listen, listen to this. You put a little baby in a toddler nursery where the people working in that nursery don't like each other. Do you think those kids pick up on that? Do you think if, if unbelievers come in here and we don't love each other, you think they're going to pick up on that? You think they might become disillusioned? You think they might just even give up on church and go, man, I thought when I accepted Christ, I was going to be able to find a family who loved each other. and I got this out there in the world. I got this where I'll work. I got this same atmosphere where I'll work. So God wants to trust us with unbelievers. He wants to trust us with new believers. How many of you know there's some damaged believers out there? Some hurt believers. And buddy, if you bring them in here and we hurt them again. So God is looking down at, at, for a church that loves. And this message challenges my heart. I'm not standing up here saying, be like me, be like me, be like me. I'm standing up here, up here saying, Hey guys, let's all look at what Jesus said and let's adapt. Broken believers, recovering. How many of you know there are some recovering believers who need a church that understands, and doesn't judge, but loves one another and loves them? So these kinds of people need to feel the freedom to come into Whitley Church and know that we provide an environment where they can change, where there can be permanent life change. And God knows that that happens best in an environment of love. The second reason why love is very important is because love, love leads to trust. And when a congregation loves each other, then they trust each other. And when we trust each other, that leads to cooperation. And when we cooperate with each other, and we're not fussing and fighting all the time, that leads to progress in the kingdom. Love leads to trust, leads to cooperation, leads to accomplishment and progress in the kingdom. God says, if you're going to get anything done for me, You've got to cooperate. You've got to work together. You can't do that if you don't love each other. Some of us work in environments outside in the secular world. Businesses, industries, offices. And I know you're not going to say amen to this because you're afraid of all Sundays your boss will be here today. <clears throat> but there's no love there. 
and there's little trust, and there's a tiny bit of cooperation, and we know firsthand how long it takes to get something done in that kind of environment. Because there's red tape, and there's fighting for credit for who had that good idea, and there's a real deep desire not to give credit to somebody who did come up with a good idea. Amen? And there's just this quagmire that happens out in the world that makes it nearly impossible to make any real progress. So God says, if there's going to be progress in my kingdom, how many of y'all know as individuals and Christians, God has called us to do something? And, And it's not gather here on Sunday morning and be all huggy and nice to each other. Because you can be huggy and nice to each other. And when that new person comes in, you're like, I'm huggy and nice to him because I know him and I'm familiar with him. I like for you to just keep your, oh, we're really, really delighted to have you. Stay back. See, John 13, 34, 35 is not a calling just to be nice. It is a calling to come together, to cooperate, to coordinate our resources. How many of you know God's given us awesome resources? we got to get those coordinated so that we can make disciples and get the Lord's work done. There is work to be done. That is why we exist in a church, in this church. And so we live in a world that desperately needs, we live in a world that desperately needs to know And see what it means to be a true follower of Jesus. And Jesus said, the best way to show them you are one of my disciples is what? Love one for another. I'm just saying. So God doesn't look at our potential based on what you can count. The Word of God says he doesn't look on the inward, he looks on the... And so you have to say, is it the heart of this church? To be in God's will. Because the heart of this church will determine our potential to be a maximum church. The heart of this church will show how much God can use us to accomplish His will and His purposes. And I got to tell you, I'm just like you. I don't want to be just part of a big church. I don't want to be a a part of a church of any size that isn't in God's business. I want to be in a church that is into what God is into and is doing what God is is doing. Amen, amen? Y'all with me on that? So the question we asked last week, what does this love look like? What does it mean when a local church congregation really loves each other? And I said there are seven components of this love talked about in John 13. And the way I found those seven categories of love is I just went to the epistles, which are the letters that the apostles wrote, And all through the epistles, there is this phrase, one another, one another, one another. And I looked up all the one another's. And I found seven categories of love, how this love is displayed, how this love is lived out. You all know how I preach. You know, I can get up here and we can talk about love and love, but what does it look like? How do we do it? All through the New Testament, we find Uh, instruction that says treat each other this way and don't treat each other this way. So now we're going to look at how in a practical way we are to live out Jesus' new command. The first one is this. Accept one another. Accept one another. 
That is the first of the seven. This is a category of love where we accept one another. And we're going to use, and I could have found a lot of verses, but we're going to use Romans 15, 7 because it is just so succinct and so clear. It says, Paul says, by the way, Paul was in prison when he wrote this. Isn't that interesting? Paul's in prison telling people who are free how to behave. Says something about Paul, doesn't it? So accept each other. You say, well, what about all those prisoners? And uh, what about all those guards Paul had in prison? Did he love and accept them? I'll tell you how much he loved and accepted them. The Bible says in the book of Philippians, it refers to Caesar's household. And Paul actually developed a church within the Philippian prison. And he had guards who had accepted Christ. And he had other uh, prisoners who had accepted Christ. And right under the Caesar's nose, Paul had a church right there in his little prison. So yes, Paul accepted. He accepted people around him. So in Romans 15, 7 it says, So accept each other. Boy, and then he, then he just really goes off on the deep end. Accept each other just as Christ has accepted you. And if you'll do that, then what will happen? God will be glorified. And Jesus said, if I am glorified, I will draw. See, it is attractive. Look, I'm telling you guys, and I'm, I'm getting hold of this myself more and more. That is what attracts people. Is it, is it, it isn't our fancy stuff that we think is so awesome. It is our love for each other. That's the attraction. When we use the word accept in our modern Western culture, we don't mean the same thing Paul means here in Romans 15, 7. When we use the word accept, we mean, uh, yeah, okay, I accept you, Farrell, just as you are. And then I look at you and I go, yeah, yeah, I accept you just as you are too. Actually, what we mean is tolerate. <laughs> we, we mean tolerate, you know. Uh, I'm not going to try to change you, but I'm also not going to invite you over. I'll tolerate you the way you are, you tolerate me the way I am, and we'll just tolerate each other all over the place. But Paul says that this word accept doesn't mean tolerate. The biblical word accept here all, is always used in the context of being accepted into a family. Or being accepted into a society. Your culture is way different, but we accept you into our society anyway. Or into an inner circle of friends. And i got to tell you something. I don't know how it is that much out in the secular world because I'm not out there very much. But it's hard to do that in a church. It's hard to get accepted in a church. Matter of fact, a lot of people come in that door. And they try to get in this little circle and they can't. They try to get in that little circle and they can't. They try to get in this little circle and this little circle and this little circle. Until they bounce off all the circles and go out that door. Unless they're really, really persistent and really, really patient. Which most people aren't. When they come in, they want to feel some love. Pretty quick. Because they're new to this whole thing. And you know, we claim a bunch of stuff. So you come in with high expectations. And then you find, when you walk in church... The same attitude you find 
when you go out into the world. Does anybody here work for Lowe's? Anybody work for Lowe's? I'm just going to say this, email them. They are ticked off. I'm trying to buy something. I'm in Lowe's trying to buy something, and they go, are you a big contractor? And I go, no, I just need a thingamajig for my toilet. (laughs) What's wrong with it? It won't swallow. I don't know what the word is. It won't go. And they are ticked off. That they got to help me find that little thingamajigger. If the economy was like it is, and I worked at a place like that, I would be, yes, how may I help you? So go tell them. I don't care. Honestly. You go in these bits. I called a guy up the other day and I said, uh, I've got this little thing that's going out on my stove. And I said, I need to get that. And he was ticked off that I didn't know all the numbers and I didn't have all the stuff. And, and I said, well, tell me what you need. And, and he was mad at me. I said, hey, dude, obviously I have ticked you off calling you to try to buy something from you. Do y'all know what I'm saying? This is not in my notes. I'm telling you right now, the church is no different. We look so pious and we act so spiritual and people come in here and they can't get in our little circle. They can't make friends and they can't connect with anybody. You gotta, we got to change, guys. Listen, this word accept, Paul says, this is the word of God. This is not an option for us. This is not optional for us. This, this is not a church growth principle. This is the word of the living God. Accept one another. Stop being all about you and your little group. Accept one another. The word means take in, receive, absorb. Not that arm's length acceptance. Oh, we're so glad to have you. Welcome. It means allowing people into your circle. Allowing people to get close here. Let me tell you what this word accept means. It means sending a message clearly that says, You belong here. Everybody that comes in this church, you say, yeah, but some people might come who really don't belong here. God will take care of that. That's not your business. You're to love everybody that walks in here. It may be that there may be little horns under their hair. But God will take care of that. You're to love. You're to love everyone who comes in. When our church becomes a church that is driven by accepting one another, people will come here, they will attend, they will join, and they will feel free to belong here. They will feel free to be here because they feel like they belong. They've been, they've been communicated to that they belong here. And then he says, huge comparison. 
He says, and by the way, let me just really clear up how I want you to accept each other. Let me, let me just clear that up for you, Jesus, God says through Paul. And this is really threatening to most of us because it runs against our grain. It runs against our human nature. He says, I want you to accept each other mm, like Jesus accepted you. <laughs> I mean, that makes you go, you know, this makes you stagger. I mean, how did Jesus accept you? I mean, did Jesus come to me when I said, Jesus, I'm, I'm ready to give you my life and stop running and stop making excuses and I want to give you my life. What, did Jesus look at me and go, okay, Pharaoh, here's the deal. You finally come around, you know you need me, so uh, I've been looking at your life, checking you out, and after you fix this, and you fix this, and you fix this in your life, after you get rid of this, kind of get some victory in this area, once you kind of get your act together over here with this, then you call me. Let me see what's going on. Let me tell you what Jesus said to me when I came to him. He said, I accept you even though I know everything you've done. That's pretty big, isn't it? I don't care who you are this morning. Listen, hey, I don't care what you did last night. Some of y'all did some stuff. I don't care. Jesus doesn't care. He accepts you. He accepts you. You're accepted. You're accepted. You're accepted. Hey, listen to me. No matter how this church treats you, he accepts you. So that's how he accepts it. And then he said, I accept you no matter what you did. He said, also accept you no matter what you're doing. No matter where you are right now in your life, I accept you. Here's the biggie. Y'all ahead of me? I accept you even though I know what you're... Oh, my goodness. Because when I asked Millie to marry me, she was like, yes. Yes, I'll marry you. And, you know, I said, well, you know, I did some stuff. She goes, that's all right. I love you anyway. And, you know, right now, I'm, that's okay. I love you. Well, honey, get your pad and pen out, because I'll tell you some stuff I'm going to do after we get married. I got a feeling, and she's an awesome woman of God, but I got a feeling she would have went, whoa, you're going to do those things? I mean, if I knew, and I could tell her what I'm going to do, I think she would go, you know, <clears throat> let's wait a while. <laughs> let's get some major premarital counseling. But Jesus said, I accept you no matter what you've done, no matter where you are. This is huge, guys. No matter what you're going to do. And he tells us to accept other people that way. A church that truly loves each other is a church that accepts each other in the same way Jesus did. And here's what John 13 says. John 13 says, I simply accept you on the basis of who you belong to. I don't accept you on the basis of who you are. Listen, listen. I accept you on the basis of whose you are. Because see, if that person is born into the family and you're born into the family through the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus, we are in this thing together. 
we're in. And we've got to learn to accept each other, no matter how, whole, how old or how young or what has ever happened. You say, well, that's hard. That's difficult. Really? When's the last time Jesus asked you to do something really, really easy? Isn't it always a challenge? Because what he asked us to do is against our nature. So it's always a challenge, but this is a really big one. And Jesus would say to us this morning, of course it's difficult. Jesus would say to us this morning, it's love, and love is very difficult. It's often extremely difficult, and to have any other standard of love other than the one I've laid out in John 13 is to reject my standard and adopt the standard of the world that says I will love you if you do this and if you do that and if conditional because here's what the world says the world says just hang with people who are like you the world says don't invest in your time in people who can't do anything for you the world says, hang around with people you want to be like. Don't invest your time in anybody who needs something from you. What good would that do you? That's the world system. Jesus says, as a Christian and as a corporate body, as a church, I expect you to turn the world's idea of love on its head. Are y'all with me this morning? I'm closing. He says, I want you to take the world's idea of love and I want you to turn it upside down and I want you to turn it on its head. He said, I want you to be a church where people have a sense of belonging. I want you to be a church that even when people are different, different than you, way different than you, and yeah, I know that's difficult, yet that is the kind of love I want you to have, that you love those people who are way different than you. Now, I'm going to close differently than I usually do. I want to read to you just a passage of Scripture, and then we're going to pray. <clears throat> James chapter 2, verse 1. My dear brothers and sisters, so that means he was talking to us, church folk. How can you claim that you have faith in our glorious Lord Jesus Christ if you favor some people more than others? Wh which means... You accept some and don't accept others. For instance, suppose someone comes into your meeting dressed in fancy clothes and expensive jewelry. And another comes in who is poor and dressed in shabby clothes. Because see, if they're dressed in fancy clothes and jewelry, here's what most people are thinking. They could really do a lot for us. But then that person comes in with shabby clothes and we think, that's somebody we're going to have to help. Oh, help us, Lord. If you give special attention and a good seat to the rich person, but you say to the poor one, you can stand over there or else maybe sit on the floor, well, doesn't this discrimination show that you are guided by wrong motives? I love James. He's awesome. One of the things I say when I'm preaching a lot, and y'all know this, it's a bad habit I got. Listen, 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 listen. Look what James, I got it from James. James goes, listen to me. <laughs> Dear brothers and sisters, hasn't God chosen the poor 
1 Corinthians chapter 1. Y'all read that sometime. Hasn't God chosen the poor in this world to be rich in faith? Aren't they the ones who will inherit the kingdom he promised to those who love him? That's in the, the Beatitudes. Verse 6, and yet you insult the poor man. Isn't the rich one, isn't the rich, isn't it the rich who oppress you and drag you into court? Aren't they the ones who slander Jesus Christ, whose name, whose noble name you bear? Yes, indeed, it is good when you truly obey your Lord's royal, there's that word again, say it, command from the scriptures when he said, and this is when Jesus was asked, what's the greatest commandment? You remember that? And Jesus said, the greatest one is love me with all your heart, mind, soul, body, everything. And the second one's like unto it. And here it is, love your neighbor as yourself. James says, but if you pay special attention to the rich, let me just add some other. If you, if you pay special attention to the rich and you pay special attention to the person you want to be with and the person you like and the person who is like you and the person you're most comfortable with, and if you spend all of your attention and all of your time with the person that you want to be like, because that's really who we like to spend our time with. We like to spend our time with people who are like us or they are uh, like we want to be. He says, if you're going to give all those people your special attention, then you're committing a hard say, isn't it? For you are guilty of breaking that command, that law of Jesus. So, Father, we claim a bunch of stuff here at Whitlink Church. We just claim a whole bunch of stuff. And we just say, God, that, that we are this and we are this and we are this and we are this. And so when a lost person or a new person in the Lord or a damaged person or a recovering person comes in here, because we've made so many claims about who we are and, and how much we love God, they come in and so they're expecting a lot. And one of the things they're expecting from us is John 13 love. And they're expecting John 13 acceptance and Romans 15, 7 acceptance. They're looking for that when they walk in here. They don't care whether we got fancy lighting and they don't care whether we got cool videos and they don't care whether, they don't care about that stuff. They want to they find a place where they're going to get loved on. And God, my question is, are we doing that? Are we doing that as a church? Is our head on swivel? When we walk in on a Sunday morning, are we just congregating with the people we like? Or is our head on swivel and are we looking around saying, is there somebody who looks like they need a friend, who looks like they need a handshake, who looks like they need some love? God guide me this morning at my church that I will not just hang around with the people who I'm kin to and the people who I know and the people who I like, but God help me to seek out people who need a friend today, who need somebody to show them love and give me the words to say to them and show me how to treat them, Lord, so that they will see you in me. Because I'm the only Jesus they really know right now. This is huge. So, Father, we need you to help us love like that. In Jesus' name. Now, listen. Now, Whitley, church, we can either just be another average church out here where we just claim a whole lot of stuff about love and the power of God and the presence of God 
and, and be just like everybody else. Here's going to be the difference. Here is going to, this is going to put, th- this is going to make our claims and our words 